0: This is 4D with Demi Lovato. Many of you know I'm interested in learning about and communicating with extraterrestrials. Don't laugh. I'm so passionate that I actually brought on a leading authority in the space, Dr. Steven Greer himself. He is a ufologist and the founder of the Disclosure Project. More with me and Dr. Greer and ETs to give you the ET in just a bit. Well, hello, Dr. Stephen Greer. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so grateful to have you. I I always give my guests an opportunity to introduce themselves the way that they want to be introduced, so go for it.
1: Right. Well, I am an emergency doctor by training, founder of the Global Disclosure Project, trying to end secrecy uh, on the UFO subject, and also the founder of CE5Contact which is a global diplomatic effort to make contact with extraterrestrial civilizations. So within the framework of peace, as opposed to militarism and racism, uh, which is what's really driving the uh, agenda of secrecy on UFOs today, which we'll get into. So that's sort of what I've worked on. I mean, as a young doctor, I went from uh, shifts in the emergency department, taking care of shootings and stabbings and whatnot, to flying up to Washington the brief people on this issue back in the nineties. And, uh, since then, of course, eventually this overtook my medical career. I'm retired from medicine now, but stay current. Um, you know, I, I just turned 66. So I'm, that's a, that's a tough gig. So now my sole focus is on saving the world's biosphere with these new technologies, uh, that are behind the UFO propulsion systems, um, making peaceful contact with these civilizations, and uh, very importantly, disclosing this subject in a way that avoids the military agenda of getting into conflict.
0: Wow. Well, I have been a big fan of what you've been doing for quite some time. I remember I watched your first film, *Serious*, and then <laughs> Unacknowledged, and then my personal favorite, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. And the reason why that one is my favorite is because it completely shifted my reality, my world, everything. Uh, I relate to you in so many ways. You have talked about having a near-death experience, um, which kind of was the awakening for you. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that and how this all began for you?
1: Yeah, it really began when I was a child. I first had a sighting of one of these UFOs when I was about eight or nine. Um, yeah, grew up in North Carolina. Um, it was daytime, crystal clear. I knew what I'd seen. <laughs> My parents said, oh, no, those things don't exist. But I knew what I'd seen. Right. Your know, parents need to trust their children. Mm-hmm. But then, um, I you know, I became very interested in the subject, started collecting every book I could as a little eight, nine, ten-year-old boy, but then kind of forgot about it in my teenage years. And, um, and when I was 17, I, um, I got very sick. I had a near death experience went out of my body, but went out into space and I had this amazing experience with consciousness. Um, this whole aspect of ourselves that is, uh, infinite and boundless. And I was raised a very devout atheist. We didn't believe in anything. I always say a devout atheist, my parents, (laughs) (laughs) if you can't put it, if you couldn't put it in a test tube, it didn't exist. But this changed my world because I realized, in fact, the consciousness that's at the root of our being is actually eternal, infinite, boundless, and that all of space and time is emerging from that field of consciousness. So I didn't really understand the science of consciousness, which is what we deal with in Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which, by the way, is up on Tubi and prime now, if people want to see it for free. But what happened to me at that point was that I began to say, I have to learn how to do meditation. I have to learn how to get to deep, quiet consciousness without dropping dead. And um, I was really dead for a little while. It was amazing. I survived it, to be honest. Wow. I was up on a mountain in North Carolina and I was 18 at that point. And I was meditating up on this 5,000 foot mountain, um, in October of 1973. Uh, and, uh, just before sunset I saw the same ET craft that I had seen when I was a child, when I was eight or nine. So I said, Oh, they're back. I didn't think anything more about it. I went into this deep meditation at the end of which I, I was very, uh, in a deep state, almost like the Samadhi state you hear about when you're just sort of this unbounded, beautiful state of mind. Mm. And at that point there was a, this craft, it was just below the crest of the mountain. And there was an ET that touched me on my right shoulder. And I had this entire contact experience that happened. So that was where I, I realized that this is not only very real, very beautiful, um, these civilizations are extremely enlightened and peaceful. The opposite of what you see in all the Hollywood movies and and UFO shows. I mean, it's just, a, that's all counterintelligence. And so I had this direct experience. And then later, you know, I didn't know what to do with it, but we, I learned this technique of, what we call CE5 Contact, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Mm-hmm. And there's an app you can get. It's called CE5 Contact.
0: Which I have and to interrupt and just say. Well, you have
1: it. Yes, I have it.
0: it. I use it all the time. Anytime that I go to make contact, I actually use your app. And I can't tell you how many times I have seen things with people around me that can also account for what they've seen in the sky or uh, on the ground, it's so unbelievable and i'm I'm so grateful that you have put this on an app and are able to, you know, I can tell anyone about it. They can go to the app Store and get it and <laughs> it really does work. and it does you
1: know, it's it, it, a it's, whole training program actually.
0: Yes, wow, wow.
1: I think that what people be- have to begin to realize is that these civilizations are looking for awake, peaceful, non-racist non-prejudiced people to make contact with because over the last 70 years since the atomic bomb era the only interactions that humans have done formally have been military military attacks military chases all kinds of frankly really stupid dangerous things so i tell people that we the people have to come together and create uh, this mass movement to make peaceful contact with these civilizations, because I'm really not very hopeful that the government will.
0: What is it that we know about ETs and what can we learn from them?
1: Well, we know a great deal. I mean, the CE5 contact program has been going on since 1990. So our group has gone out for 30 years making contact. And we've had contact with thousands of different ET craft and beings with thousands of people around the world. And what we have found is that there are several big themes. Number one, they're completely non-hostile. Number two, they're very worried about our hostility. Number three, all of their technologies are based in what we call the science of consciousness, non-locality, what Einstein called the spooky effect in physics. Where the cool. same thing could be in two places at the same time. That's what Einstein called it the spooky effect. Oh
0: cool. So I didn't it, know that was a thing.
1: Oh yeah I mean because he couldn't quite understand what right. it was Now we figured it out and it was called non-locality in physics where but you could these other dimensions are folded within space-time. So instead of going from a straight line here's a star yes. system, here's a star system you're actually going from here to here because it's folded right it's a it's a conscious quantum hologram. So it's all folded within each other and that's what we're doing. We understand this and CE5 contact that app teaches people how to go into the meditative state to see those dimensions and then make contact. Now, the other thing that I learned when I was 18 and I had that experience is that the ETs were using uh, things that would look like a little device, like maybe our cell phone or, but that they were interfacing with consciousness and thought. So, you know, Elon Musk is working on Neuralink, trying to figure out how your computer can connect your, your thoughts, but the, this is doing it through the consciousness field. So their, their technologies are, are an outgrowth of higher understanding of consciousness, which is infinite and omnipresent. So that means since consciousness, and I'm not talking about some guru, I'm talking about everyone awake, that, their ability to be awake, if you go into quiet mind, that aspect of your mind is everywhere. It's not limited by space or time. And that's why you can see in consciousness a future event, a past event, or something going on right now. The CIA would call this remote viewing. But the ancient masters called it being enlightened, being having your third eye open. And so that's, these ETs have mastered the science of consciousness to such a degree that it's not only just their own personal experience, but all their technologies are an outgrowth of it.
0: Right. There's been a lot of stuff coming out in the media about you know official documents being released. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. What do you make of all of it?
1: Well, of course, we predicted this a number of years ago, as you know. In fact, even in the documentary Unacknowledged, we talk about the fact that uh, coming soon would be a official attempt to falsely disclose this subject uh, in a way that would present it as a threat to the national security. And in fact, all of that has come to pass. If you look at what was released in uh, late June, if you look at what's been coming out over the last year or two, all the footage and all the events they're they're showing, number, it's it's not at all what people think. But every single news story in the mainstream media always has the byline, threat to the national security. So when you see these headlines in the media, you have to understand the people who are being cleared to be on like 60 Minutes. Those people have been selected by the intelligence community to speak a certain narrative. Yeah, And it's a false narrative. And I I just want to go through the three big lies, Demi, that I think people said, these are the big ones. Number one, they always say, we don't know what these are. Well, that's a big lie. We've known what these objects are since the 40s and 50s. If you Google this subject, 90 plus percent of everything that's going to come up is false information put in by the intelligence community to scare people and to make people think, brainwash them, that there's a threat and there isn't a threat. The threat is from these covert programs. So the second big lie, I talked about the one, Mm -hmm. and that is they say, We don't know what these are when we've known what these are since the 40s and 50s. And there are two types of UFOs, man-made, which is the ones mostly seen, and extraterrestrial. And they're very different in how they look. I mean, you've seen the ET ones that are very seamless, come in and out of other dimensions. They're very almost magical. Mm -hmm. Whereas a man-made one has rivets and seams like a man-made thing. It's quite obvious that it's man-made, but it's silent. Is using anti-gravity propulsion, et cetera. But we've had those since October 1954. Now, the other big lie is that they say every single time that we don't have anything that can fly the way these videos that are showing on CNN and the New York Times. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Do you know that every one of those videos that have been released are our man-made UFOs? None of them are extraterrestrial.
0: Because I've seen videos where... Uh, They like of USOs or even of UFOs where they fly so fast and they go in an angle that I've heard that the G-forces would liquefy human beings if they were inside.
1: Yes, and some of those are extraterrestrial, but we also have that technology. Remember, in covert programs, we spent several trillion dollars since the 40s and 50s studying captured ET craft. That is true. And they know that mm-hmm. they have studied this and have been able to to re, sort of reproduce it a lot. It's called reverse engineering.
0: Yeah, so back engineering.
1: Able, yeah. So the, the back engineering, reverse engineering has been going on since the 40s. They have made a lot of progress. That's all top secret. Um, and the big reason it's top secret, two things. They want to preserve the element of surprise to hoax an alien threat what they're doing they're using man made ufo's with people that look made up to look like they're an alien going out abducting people it sounds crazy it is crazy but that's literally what they've been doing since the 50s and 60s now on top of that and this is the big thing that concerns me cuz my first great love was earth gaia this planet mm-hmm. And as a child, uh, it was my real solace. I grew up in a very terrible family, very poor and very abused and all that. And I realized that the earth was this this beautiful conscious being and alive and just magnificent. And we're destroying the planet using all these fossil fuels and all this stuff, nuclear power, when we've had the replacement for it since before I was born. So when, when just everyone listening, when you l- just Google these UFOs you see flying around, they're not using oil or jet fuel. Mm-hmm. They're using field propulsion. I won't bore people with the science behind mm-hmm. it, but we know exactly how they're operating. My team knows exactly how they're operating. And, and the problem is, is that those systems would replace all the oil, gas, coal and nuclear power in the world. So they want to keep that secret. Because the people who own all the industrial and money and the big, I call them the gang banksters, they don't want this to come out because they lose $800, $900 trillion Mm -hmm. worth of assets. So they want to keep the world addicted to this stuff and only let out solutions like solar and wind, which I have a solar farm at my place, but it's not enough energy density to run the planet and fix the environment in time for my children and grandchildren and for you mm-hmm. and your children, if you have children. So I think it's really important for people to understand the solutions to these big justice, social justice and environmental problems exist. But they're being kept away from the public because the, the foxes are guarding the henhouse. The people who benefit from the current order and system don't mm-hmm. want those technologies out. And, you know, I have people I've worked with who have been assassinated trying to bring those technologies out. Uh, it's a very scary business, and it's real. And I tell people, we're going to have to come together as a global community to correct that, because that's the, the big lie they keep saying every new story. The United States doesn't have anything that can fly like this. That is simply provably false. And then this, the third big lie is the one I mentioned uh, that. It's a threat to the national security, that these objects were a threat to the national security. Ironically, the ETs came in big numbers after we started detonating atomic and nuclear bombs Mm -hmm. because they saw that we were in trouble, Mm -hmm. but also that when we detonate an atomic bomb, everyone knows when electromagnetic pulses. What they don't know is that there's also what are called scalar uh, electromagnetic signals that go beyond the speed of light that damage ET worlds. and Oh, damage no. People. So we have done so much damage uh, in the cosmos. So it's not just limited to where you see that blast. I think that people need to understand that the ETs are concerned about our yes. hostility and our tendency to destroy the entire world. And they're here to help us, not to yes. hurt us. They're here to assist and to understand, but they're not going to intervene. A lot of people say, well, why don't they just fly in? You know, Larry King, he asked me when I was on his show, why don't they just land on the White House lawn? I said, well, first of all, if they did, they'd be blown up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And secondly, they're expecting us, the children of the earth, to come together in peace, to make contact with them and fix these problems. Because if they were to come in and force a solution. It would be like us invading Afghanistan, forcing uh, the warlords to become democratic. It doesn't work. That has to come from within the people. We, the people, have to do it. We, the people, have to end all these big problems. It isn't enough to say we're all one people. We have to say we're all one universal people because now we're dealing with intelligent life forms that aren't even human. Mm-hmm. So, and, and how do we transcend this tendency we all have to break into fighting little groups and become one peacefully? I think the answer is not necessarily religious, but deeply spiritual. This this understanding that we're all conscious beings, and that consciousness and that spirit is actually universal. That the light in your eyes and mine, and the awareness we have, is the same awareness. An E.T. from the Andromeda galaxy has, even though they may look different, may have different IQs, different cultures, different colors, different shapes, uh, different everything. Uh, Some don't even have, you know, reproductive organs like we do. They're, They're very, very different. I've seen a number of them. So I think what we have to begin to ask the question is, how do we become peaceful and not blow our planet up? Yes. Unless we can go beyond this divisiveness. Yes, that's that's why I'm so concerned about this resurgence of division in our country and other places, Um, the endless conflict around race, ethnicity, religion, things that are really external to the inner being of what it means to be not just human, but to be sentient, to Mm -hmm. be awake. And I think this is I think we really need to have a deep examination of how do we get to a post racial post species? civilization.
0: You know what I always tell people when they ask me, how do we know that these beings are peaceful and sentient? I always just say if if they have the capability of expanding their consciousness to a dimension where they don't need to either build their crafts or damage their planet by uh, using their precious elements, then they can't be as Negative as us human beings are, because we aren't even at their level yet. And that was honestly the the entire purpose of me having this podcast for D, is because I want to have conversations that are going to expand our consciousness, whether that is for through ufology conversations or conversations pertaining to gender, identity, uh, sexuality, whatever it is that w- that is important and needs to be spoken about.
1: Whatever is dividing us. We have yes. to talk about what is dividing us and how do we go beyond that? Yes. How do, how do we tr- to replace hate with love? World peace would have been okay in the League of Nations era in the early 1900s. Now we have to have universal peace because we have other civilizations that are really here already observing us, reaching out to us. And so we're going to have to have this big quantum leap forward Mm -hmm. in our consciousness and in our uh, deep spirituality. And I I say spirituality and not religion because often people fight over religion, you know, uh, orthodox sort of religion. But I'm talking about something deeper that's more transcendent. Yes. And um, before I was a medical doctor, I was uh, one of the first meditation teachers. And I I, I, after this near death experience and contact experience, I really wanted to learn how do you meditate? How do you transcend into uh, this aspect of ourselves? that's this universal being this deep aspect, because when you experience that, then you see all intelligent life as a singularity, as one. There is. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, you'll see the, the the differences, which are actually like the different flowers in a beautiful garden.
0: Oh, it's beautiful.
1: But you see the life force within all the flowers. Yes. You see that. You see the life within it—the chi, the energy, the prana. So I kind of feel like we all have to get to that level of understanding, or there'll be no end to the conflicts.
0: We'd absolutely have to put our egos aside. Our egos. Uh, the division all of it so that we can understand and connect on on a level that that we've never united together before in empathy compassion love understanding things that we're absolutely missing
1: and that was got to be interplanetary now you mentioned you know like when it, when we were at Joshua Tree I told you, we were at this place where a few years ago there was we have this photograph that's in the movie close encounters of the fifth kind of this E.T. that materialized right outside our circle Mm -hmm. that is the Andromeda galaxy. Now, that's two and a half million light years from here, which means at the speed of light, it would take five million years to go there. So (sighs) we know we know they're going beyond the speed of light. When you go beyond in 1995 or something like that, I wrote a paper called The Crossing Point, and it talks about going through the crossing point of light and the vibration of of the speed of light and matter and you go into these other dimensions that are increasingly conscious kind of like the the spirit astral body when you're having a flying dream Mm -hmm. but their craft and their bodies shift resonate higher into those dimensions and then materialize into 3d back and forth that's how they're doing it's amazing and so that, but there was being done in both consciously, but also technologically. Now, any civilization that advanced their understanding of the fabric of the cosmos is such that if they were hostile, they could have shut this planet down the very first yes. day. OK, yes. this is the point I make. There is no way that they have the consciousness of hostility and violence, because if they did, guess what? They would have blown themselves up with each other. yes they would ever gotten out of their star system
0: and they also wouldn't have come to us the second that we split the atom right honestly the second we split the atom we were we were in trouble and that was the beginning of Earth's destruction and yes. and that's when they showed up so of course they're peaceful beings do you think that it's important for humans to believe that we aren't alone? Do you think it's like a primal desire for us to believe that there's something bigger out there? Or is the science just too robust to ignore?
1: Well, the science is too r- robust to ignore. But remember, our civilizations, all going back as far as recorded history, um, until the, relatively recently uh, in the West, had these this understanding. Like I'm, my father was half, Native American Cherokee. And in that tradition, they were from I know I don't look it, but I was.
0: Well, my mom was half Native American too. And she was I know I love your mother. I know she loves you.
1: (laughs) She told me that. I told her, I said we're sisters from the brother and sister from the stars. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Yep.
1: They had this tradition that they were from their their roots are from another star system. And I actually I'm looking out my window here to Shenandoah National Park in the Blue Ridge and Shenandoah means daughter of the stars or daughter from the stars in in native language. So I think that, you know, if we look at cultures around the world, they've gone to India and have found caveman drawings of things that look exactly like a UFO with these ETs outside and they've been carbon dated to 5000 years ago. Same thing in France. So I think humans have had an ancient long term connection to these people from the stars. And it's only in relatively modern Western civilization times that that was sort of stamped out of our cultural history. Mm. But I think that that is real. And I think it's actually in our genes that we are uh, have this connection. So I think that's why people look up at the stars and feel like maybe that's home or we're not alone or th- there's some ancient bond that's there and i know that to be true if you if you study cultures from around the world the aboriginals in australia very much have that in, in their understanding of the cosmos
0: wow well i also i i fully believe that yes the science is too robust to ignore but also i do think it's in our genes like you said
1: you know there's a big breakthrough in science in this i'll comment i mean I know I'm a bit of a medical science. Oh, you could talk
0: all day. I love science. Okay.
1: All right, good. Well, here (laughs) they found you know what we used to call junk DNA in our genome.
0: Yes, that's what I was talking about.
1: Well, now they're finding that it's not junk at all. That however it it turns on and off depending on things in the environment and importantly in our thoughts and in consciousness. So they've done studies where you can go into a meditative state and in, in, a, in a deep meditative state and genes that then turn on parts of the brain and develop more connections between the, the brain cells, the neurons. It's like- and so this is really beautiful. It's called epigenetics. And what's called epigenetics are not the main genes that are, you know, that we think of, but they actually are very much able to be turned on and off with what we think, what we do, what th- is happening in the environment so and in in meditative state in higher consciousness states they're finding that these genes these epigenetic genes really affect your entire body you can be healed through it you can increase your iq they've done studies with meditators uh, back in when i was an an original meditation teacher and back you know louise hay was one of my students way back um, of hay house and i i thought well you know what and they started doing studies and they found that people who meditate regularly literally, their IQs go up. So imagine these civilizations that have understood the science of consciousness for hundreds of 1000s or millions of years, they have IQs in the four or 500 equivalent, you know, um, that ET at Andromeda, that it, that is in the movie Close Encounters of the fifth kind, yes. we have a picture of, yes, I asked him what his IQ was. And I sensed it was around 450. And through our devices, he signaled yes,
0: so wow. I tell people
1: we're dealing with amazing beings and amazing civilizations.
0: You know, I have to admit that since I started meditating after a year, a year of meditating almost daily, I am able to retain information better. And therefore, I feel like that has made me uh, a little bit smarter because I could whip out facts and I can actually comprehend things a lot better than I used to. And so I fully believe that. That's the whole thing that we're only
1: using 10% of our brain, the other 90% we can develop. And so that's what's really exciting is that we're dealing with this, 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 this intersection of ETs visiting us and humans starting on a whole new chapter where we become interplanetary. I mean, here's what people need to understand. Once we get through this adolescent phase of craziness humanity's in right now, we're going to become an interplanetary civilization in a state of enlightenment and peaceful. And now we have to fix some problems. Like People don't realize that for 100 years, we've had technologies that would fix the environment and eliminate poverty everywhere. And these fascists don't want it out. I'm working, I'm trying to create a um, research and development fund to bring those technologies outside to the public open source free. so that we don't expect the government or, or corporations to do it. I think big corporations and governments don't want that to come out because it it's too disruptive. Of but I course. feel like if we don't do it, we're going to we're going to uh, end up destroying this beautiful planet. So we have to fix it. So there's a big and by the way you asked me about the ETs, one of their big messages that everyone I know has had contact has had is there concern about the environment and the Earth and the damage we're doing to it. It is a major, major theme of everyone I know who's had a legitimate experience with ETs. Because I think this Earth has been protected and observed for millions of years by some of these civilizations.
0: I always ask my guests at the end of the show, What does living in the fourth dimension mean to you?
1: It means being in a state of constant conscious awareness of the fact that we are infinite and eternal and can be connected to any place in space or time as easily as a thought.
0: Wow. (laughs) Best answer I've ever gotten. (laughs) That was beautiful. Beautifully said. Thank you so, so much for coming on here and spreading your knowledge uh i know that my fans are going to be so appreciative i know that that i am and i cannot wait to get back to the desert or do maybe that. or maybe we- come to uh, uh wherever you are or will we'll, we got to figure something out but Let's i have do a lot something
1: of- soon with and some of your other friends that are interested Yes. Um, that we could go out. It, it, I love meeting your mother too, by the way. My <laughs> she love. can
0: come back. She'd love oh, to. I love
1: her. Love her. Okay, and this time I you can meet my
0: sisters.
1: <laughs> yes, and sisters. And I think some of your other sort of yes. influencer friends could come. Yeah. I think it'd be great. I mean, we really ought to do it before it gets cold again. But I love being yes. out in the desert with you. And my team really enjoyed it.
0: Me too. We should plan something for this summer. I'll get some friends together And we'll make it happen. Thank you so much. I miss you, and I wish I could hug you through the screen. You're so great. Thank you you so much. You too. Have a good day. Bye bye. (laughs)